Amen. I'm going for this morning. Sometimes when you play music, the YouTube, the ads will come in and, and, and interrupt. But yes, so we had a powerful time. Amen. So I hope we were blessed. Anyway, it's good to see all of you in church. Welcome to a brand new month. Today is the fourth day of a brand new month. And ultimately the last month of 2022. I don't know how your 2022 has been so far, but I want to believe that you have experienced God's goodness. I, I will say you have experienced God's goodness because you are still here. So that's a testament to that. Amen. Maybe things may have not gone how you have planned it to be or how you may have expected it to be. But in all things, let's give thanks. Amen. For the past two Wednesdays, we've had great messages on Thanksgiving, uh, having an attitude of gratitude and the purpose for Thanksgiving, respectively. So let's be thankful. In all things, we give thanks. We are here. It may not have panned out how many we have wanted it to be, but it not played out maybe according to our desires and expectations. But we are here. And we just want to say thank you. Amen. So God is good. And we bless God for what he's doing in our lives. Amen. Back to our series. We are on the book of John, the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Today is part 67. And we are continuing under the sub-theme, The Helper, The Helper Part 2. So last week we did talk about The Helper, and we explained The Helper from Jesus' words, which is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said something that it is expedient for me to go, because when I go, I will send another. You see, that word another is very important. It means one of the same kind, one of the same kind, same ministry, same divine essence. So in that respect, the Holy Spirit is in the same breath, in the same class as God. This is where the triune God concept comes into play here. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Many people have reduced the Spirit to a sensation, a symbol, a chill bump, a feeling, and emotion. It's more than that. Yes, he can express himself in all those ways so that you can relate, but the Holy Spirit is bigger than that. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a divine being. The Holy Spirit has the same divine qualities that God the Father and God the Son exhibits and what God the Father and God the Son possess. The Holy Spirit has that. So the Holy Spirit is God. Important to really emphasize on that. This is what we call God in three persons. We are not talking about three gods, but we are talking about the co-eternal, co-existent persons of the Trinity that make up the Godhead. Amen. So that's what Jesus came to bring to his disciples one day to his death. He said, you may have known him as an endowment. You may have known him as a gifting or, or a stirring or a moving, but he's bigger than that. He's another. In the Greek, it's alus. 
same kind, same cloth, same attributes, same heavenly appearance and visage. It's one. Just like I am with my father. It's the same one. I'm not sending you someone different, someone lesser, another one of the same kind. Amen. So that was very important for us to take note of that, knowing that the Holy Spirit is God. And I, I believe that if we don't take time to really know the nature or the personhood of the Holy Spirit, it restricts our flow in the Spirit. It restricts what we can receive from the Holy Spirit and how beneficial His ministry will be to us. Amen. So today, we just in that same vein, we want to continue from where we left off last week. So let's go back to John chapter 14, verse 15 to 18. John chapter 14, verse 15 to 18. And I read, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I'll pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. 17. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Father, we thank you for your word that will come forth in simplicity, in clarity of speech, yet in the fullness and in the power of your spirits. We thank you that your word will be life-transforming. Holy Spirit, I avail myself that you be the teacher, you be the orchestrator of this session. In Jesus' name, amen. So now, I really want us to take our time to unpack the meaning of the word helper. Like I said last week, it's of two words in the Greek that forms the word helper here. And the Greek word is parakletos. It's where you get the English word paraclete. Who is a paraclete? Paraclete is a helper, someone who helps. So the word parakletos, which Jesus was talking about, it comes from two words, para and kaleo. I believe in our English words, we all know the meaning of the word para alongside or beside. So when they use words like paramedics, they are not talking about the medical doctor, but they are talking about a group of professionals who work alongside or beside the medics, paramedics. Para orga church organization. It doesn't mean it's a church. It means it's an organization that runs concurrently or side by side with a church. So para means alongside or beside. So that word para means beside, alongside. And then the word kalio means call. So when you join these two words together, para and kalio, that's where you get the word parakletos. And like I said last week, what was Jesus inferring about the Holy Spirit who is called the helper? His ministry is he has been called to our side to assure us of the Father's love and presence and to also help us to conform to the image of Christ. So the Holy Spirit does his job. That's why in some versions he's called a comforter. 
He is there so that we will feel the assurance, the presence, the love of the Father. That's the Holy Spirit. You can't feel that assurance with your natural inclination. It is the Spirit's work. He is there to remind us that God loves you. So whenever you feel that sense that, oh, God loves me, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's called to our side to remind us of that, assure us of God, that God is with you. No matter what you go through, you might be walking in a dark place. Uh, you might you might be facing, even as a student, writing some impossible exams that you want to pass. But when you feel that assurance that God is with me and I can do all things through Christ Jesus, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. He's being called to our side to assure us of the Father's love. So whenever we feel the assurance of God is with us, God loves us, all things are going to pan out and work for my good because I know God is in this thing. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. You, you can't think it. You can't feel it. It's not something that you can do naturally. It's a spiritual thing, and that is the job of the Holy Spirit. And that's why he has been sent to us. He's been called to us to be by our side to remind us that God loves us. God hasn't forsaken us. God the Father hasn't left us. God is with us. And that's why Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, because um, he was going to go. His bodily presence, his physical presence will not be felt. But with the Holy Spirit, they will always feel that sense that even though we, we have missed the physical presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, we fill him with us some way, somehow. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So that is the job of the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, throughout the scriptures, especially the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is the force, the motivation behind why we will grow into the image and the likeness of Christ. Like I keep on saying, the main reason why we have become Christians is not to receive a blessing. Thank God for blessings. There are blessings in Christianity. The main reason why we've become Christians is to be conformed to the image of the Son of God, who is Jesus Christ. So by the time Jesus comes back again for his church, we should resemble him. Talk like him, walk like him, operate in the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is what it means to be like Christ. And you can only be like Christ through the Spirit's enabling. Amen. You can't do that by yourself. You can't do that by willpower. If you rely on that, you are going to feel you will fall flat to your face. You will need the Spirit's empowerment to do that. So for this twofold, main twofold reason, that is why the Holy Spirit is in our lives. Amen. So today, I just want us to do a little bit of exercise here and look at the name helper and expound on that name. Because one of the ways to know something, especially when it comes to the Bible, is to know the name. The name informs you of the character. It informs you of the ministry and, and the like. Uh, and the Holy Spirit is no exception to that. So I'm going to read the verse I just read again in the Amplified Version. Amen. 
So if you have an amplified version, you could go there. If not, just listen. Amen. And I'm going to read this again. John chapter 14, verse 16 to 18. John 14, verse 16 to 18. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. So now Amplified is going to open it up and, and, and use some names, right? So six names are going to be used there in parenthesis. Comforter, Advocate, Intercessor, Counselor, Strengthener, Standby. These are not all the names. There could be many more, right? But this is apropos for what we are doing. To be with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be in you. 18. I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, bereaved, helpless. I will come back to you. You see, Jesus is a very good leader. Sometimes your leadership, your, your quality of leadership shows in how you exit. There are some people they can rule well in the present, but when they are exiting the position, it's chaos. That speaks of your leadership. Jesus says that I'm not going to leave you as orphans. You will not be comfortless you will not be in a perpetual state of bereavement and you will not be helpless. Why? Because of who will come in my place. Amen. So based on this, I just want us to look at the names which also talks about his ministry. And this is something that every New Testament believer listening to me at the sound of my voice has access to, can experience, can enjoy. Amen. So now it talks about helper, and then it opens it up with seven other names. So the first one is comforter. So what does it mean when the Bible calls the Holy Spirit our comforter? He is called our comforter because he has come to assure us that God hasn't left us. When you read Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, the uh, disciples experienced the first-hand ministry of the Comforter called the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus ascended into the heavens in Acts chapter 1, and the Bible lets us know that the disciples congregated in the room and locked themselves for a, so for a period just to pray believing for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says something that as they were praying with one accord, the Holy Spirit came forth as the sound of a mighty rushing wind. That was an awe. He manifested himself now as a cloven tongue of fire upon the heads of the disciples. Thirdly, he manifested himself to them in the gift of speaking in tongues, the Bible lets us know that the disciples started to speak in tongues. And fourthly, the Holy Spirit manifested himself to them 
as wine. Because the Bible lets us know that they were drunk. They were not drunk because they had taken liquor. They were drunk because they were filled with the Spirit. And that's why Apostle Paul could really make that uh, um, uh, synonymous um, comparison between being filled with the Holy Spirit and being filled with wine. Because when you have when you drink wine in the natural, you have a certain kind of boldness. You, you are able to have a certain kind of expression. Likewise, the disciples, mind you, they were tongue-tied. Jesus had left. What was the future of their newfound faith? Is Christianity going to be anything prospecting? Is it, is it going to have any promise? Can it stand against the fortified religion of the Mosaic law? But when the Holy Spirit came upon them, Peter had expression. That's being filled with wine. And when he had expression, the Bible lets us know that 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ that same day. He had expression. He didn't struggle to speak. Have you seen a drunkard? When he might be quiet as a mouse, but when he takes alcohol, he has no problem expressing himself. And that's what happened to the disciples. So when you experience the Holy Spirit, you can also experience them in the bit of wine, whereby if you were tongue-tied, you now have the ability to witness in the power of the Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4 is a typical example. The Holy Spirit came to assure them, comfort them, that when Jesus was with you, you were able to do the works of the Father. But even in his absence, you are still able to do the work of the Father because I have come in the divinity, in the heavenly visage, just like God the Father and God the Son to help you to do what Christ has tasked you and mandated you to do. That is comforting right there. And that's why the Holy Spirit is a comforter. So the Holy Spirit can also be a comforter to you. He will comfort you. He will assure you that God is with you. Whenever you, you, you are struggling, whenever you are going through it and through the thick of things, the Holy Spirit is there to assure you that God has your back. That is the comforting ministry of the Holy Spirit. The second thing, advocates. Why is the Holy Spirit an advocate? And first and foremost, what is the meaning of the word advocate? An advocate is to call for or to plead for. So sometimes you can use that word interchangeably with a lawyer or a defense attorney specifically. A defense attorney is there to call for, plead for, defend your case. In this respect, what, why is the Holy Spirit called an advocate? He's called an advocate because he is there to attest that Christ's death has made us righteous. Therefore, we don't deserve to be condemned. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. All this is an helper, paracletos. The Holy Spirit has been sent forth as a helper because he is the one that is going to convict us of our righteousness as a result of Christ dying on the cross for us 
and we receiving Christ as our Lord and personal Savior. The Holy Spirit is there to ensure that we always remember that so that we will never be susceptible or we will be prey to the attacks and the condemnation of the devil. So the Holy Spirit is a comforter. He's an advocate. He's an advocate warring against the devil. That's why Apostle Paul could boldly say in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk after the law, but after the spirits. For the law of the spirits of life in Christ Jesus has set me free or has made me free. Romans chapter 8. So the Holy Spirit also has an advocacy about him to make sure that we don't suffer at the condemning tricks, at the condemning strategies of the enemy. The Holy Spirit is there to ensure that we will always have that breastplate of, of righteousness on so that we can flow in the liberty of Christ. Because one of the ways by which you will not stand fast in the liberty that Christ has set you free is when you lose sense of righteousness. And that is why we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has an advocacy about him. And that advocacy is for him to call for and plead that that which Christ has sanctified and made clean by his death, you can't say it is unclean. Once upon a time, Peter, who is a Jewish, and Jewish are very strict with their diets. There are some things they consider unholy. There are some things they consider it defiles them when they eat it. And, and God, wanting now the gospel to go to the Gentiles, presented food, all the forbidden things that Jews don't eat. That was the vision that Peter had. And he heard a voice that said, eat. He said, I can't eat. It's unclean. You know I'm a Jew. And then the Lord said, that which I have made clean, you don't say it is unclean. In that same vein, that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there to always give that warning and that admonition to the devil that that which Christ has made clean by reason of his sacrificial death, you can't call unclean. That is why there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So we experience the advocacy of the Holy Spirit because he, he is called for to plead for and defend our righteousness, not because of our doing, but because Christ has died. And when Christ died on the cross, his death was more than enough to take care of all our sins so that we will not be under the condemning attacks of the enemy. The third thing, the name is intercessor. The Holy Spirit is our intercessor. Let me read this, Romans chapter 8. 
There's 26. Let me read this in the NIV. New International Version. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Wordless groans. So you and I, we can't understand the prayer language of the Holy Spirit. It's wordless. But some way, somehow, whenever we pray, and when we have that weakness of not knowing what to pray for, the Holy Spirit comes to our aid. And the interesting thing about this word coming to our aid or interceding, it, it means holding one end of the stick. So the Holy Spirit is not there to do your job. He's just there to aid you in doing your job so that your job can become easy. Are you understanding me? So it's just like a long pole or, a, a, you know, a long pole that you want to take from point A to point B and you are struggling because both ends tend to be heavier. You may need another partner to hold one end for you so that you'll be able to take that pole from point A to point B. That is the picture of the Holy Spirit helping us when we are praying. He is there to hold one end of the pole so that we will be able to travel from point A to point B. So when the Bible says that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, it means that when we come to a place of prayer where we don't know what to pray because of the finiteness of our mind, the Holy Spirit now comes in just like that partner that will help one person to hold one end of the stick to take it from point A to point B. The Holy Spirit will help us. But the way the Holy Spirit helps us, we will not be able to understand. Because the groanings by which he utters, they are wordless. It is unintelligible. What it simply means is that whenever we are praying, we should always trust the Holy Spirit and not trust our mind. And when we trust the Holy Spirit, even in our weakness of prayer, that is when we don't know what to pray for. In our weakness of prayer, let's even say we even feel weak to pray. In our weakness of prayer, let's say that we have lacked the motivation to pray because of maybe sin or because of natural tendencies like laziness, the Holy Spirit is there to pick us up. He's there to help us, aid us, so that we'll be able to pray. So in our moments of prayer where we feel weak, maybe you feel weak as in you don't know what to pray for, maybe you feel weak as in you lack the motivation and the desire to pray, the Holy Spirit comes as an intercessor. So that's why he's an intercessor. He is an intercessor because he comes to our aid to help in our weaknesses so that that weak part can become strong. So the Holy Spirit helps us in our prayer. Well, now, when we talk about intercession in church circles, intercession means to pray for someone, 
to make a request on behalf of someone. But when we talk about intercession here, the Holy Spirit becoming an intercessor is quite different from the church understanding of intercessor. He is there to help us in our weakness. That's when it comes to the area of prayer, wherever we have weaknesses, the Holy Spirit is there to help us. That is why when we are praying, we have to trust in the Holy Spirit than entrusting on our mind, than entrusting in our intelligence, than entrusting on how eloquent and how well we are able to put forth our words. No, no, no. If you want your prayer to be effective, learn how to trust in the Holy Spirit. He's your best prayer partner. In your times of weakness, he will help you. Now, in this weakness, it's strictly talking about not knowing what to pray for. Rely on the Holy Spirit and he will help you on how to pray. He will direct your prayers according to his spirit, which will be in line and in the will of God. But there are other weaknesses. Other weaknesses as you lack the desire to pray. Other weaknesses as uh, you may not feel like praying because of sin. Because sometimes sin can really become a blockade between you and God. And you might feel like, wow, I, I don't even know whether God is even going to hear my prayer because of this sin or because of this particular act I've been involved in. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. He comes in like that partner that will help you to hold one end of the pool whilst you grab the other end of the pool and then move from point A to point B. So if you don't pray, you will not experience the intercessory ministry of the Holy Spirit. I hope you all understand. So in that word helper, we have learned three words now. Comforter, advocate, intercessor. The Holy Spirit comforts. He comes to assure us that God is with us. He comes to assure us that we are not alone. In our moments of despondency, the Holy Spirit is there to assure us that God is with us. God loves us. God hasn't forsaken us. Whatever God has said will surely come to pass. If you want to see through the end of 2022, rely on the ministry of the Holy Spirit that has been given freely to all of us. He will be there to remind you that, look, it's not over. Yes, it's 4th December, but you don't know what God may have in store for you. Yes, you might not even reach any of your plans, but hold on to God's unchanging hand. He's there to remind us. He's there to assure us. The second thing that we have learned is that he has an advocacy about him. That is why he's an advocate. He is there to make sure that the devil never condemns us. He is there to make sure that what God has called clean, no one should call unclean. He is there to promote and foster into us a sense of righteousness that we belong. Why? On the reason of Christ's sacrificial death. Christ pays such a humiliating price which was sacrificial in death that he will not sit down and allow any of his children to be subjected under condemnation, subjected under ridicule, subjected under scorn, just because you made a mistake. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. He comes in as an advocate. And the third thing we have learned is that 
he is an intercessor and, and an intercessor in a sense that he has come to hold one end of the pole whilst we hold the other end of the pole. He is there to help us in our weakness. That is intercessory as well. Amen. The fourth thing that we see here is that he's called counselor. Counselor. And the counselor talks about someone who gives advice. I believe strongly with all my heart. This is one of my personal and strongest convictions that every believer has to be wise. There are some people, they really put the name of God to scorn and to shame. Why do you act so foolishly in the name of I'm a Christian? You are wise. Now, let me show you a scripture in Isaiah chapter 11. And this was talking about Jesus. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of it. Now, this is a figurative expression. It's just talking about Jesus will come from the descendancy of Jesse, and Jesse is King David's father. You see, so when you look at Jesus' genealogy, he comes from the house of David, and David's father is Jesse, right? Now, look at what it says. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So this is more like a poem. It's not literal, okay? The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. So the literal meaning to this poem is when Jesus comes on the scene, he will come in the power of the Spirit, and the Spirit will manifest himself in wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Yes, because if you don't take care, you, you can easily create a bad doctrine out of this that, oh, Jesus had seven spirits. But that's not what it's saying. It's a poem, okay? Jesus also didn't come literally from a stem, which is part of a tree. It's a poem. All right, it's it's a figurative expression. It, it, it has, uh, and a figurative expression normally comes to code the meaning of a deeper truth. The deeper truth that we get from this statement is Jesus came from the house of Jesse, and Jesse is the father of David. And when Jesus comes, he, he will come in the power of the Spirit. And when he comes in the power of the Spirit, his manifestation will show in wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. I hope you all get me. So when the Holy Spirit rests heavily upon you, you have wisdom. The spirit of wisdom is with you, so you have wisdom. You have understanding. Why? Because the spirit of understanding is with you. You have counsel. Why? Because the spirit of counsel is upon you. That is the counselor. He's the spirit of counselor. You have knowledge. Why? Because the spirit of knowledge is upon you. So counselor. And even if you look at all these expressions, look at how much that has to do with our mind. 
Wisdom has to do with our mind. Understanding has to do with our mind. Cancer has to do with our mind. Knowledge has to do with our mind. So a greater portion of the Holy Spirit's moving upon a person when you are called a believer is in how you think. How you think. So the Holy Spirit is a counselor. He gives advice. And that is one of the strongest ways by which he expresses himself. He gives us godly advice. He gives us advice that is in line with the scripture. And he gives us advice that is the same as what God the Father will say and God the Son will say. I keep on saying this. The the Trinity, which comprises of three co-existent, co-eternal persons, they never work separately. They always work hand in hand. There is a unity, an unexplainable unity, that that which the Holy Spirit echoes is the Father and the Son's voice. Amen. So we have wisdom. We have knowledge. We have understanding because we have the Counselor. The Holy Spirit can give you advice, not just on Bible issues, but day-to-day life issues. And because of the brevity of time, uh, the, the, the Bible is replete of such stories in the Bible. Amen. Especially even in the Old Testament. One of the ways they understood the Holy Spirit was in the form of wisdom. Amen. The fifth thing is that the Holy Spirit is a strengthener. And what does it mean when he is called a strengthener? It means he has come to empower and endow us. This Christian work of faith is about empowerment. There is nothing that we can do in this Christian work and in this Christian faith that is of our flesh and of our strength. Uh, Then we don't need to be in that This Christian work of faith is about empowerment. To be like Christ, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. To to walk in the gifts of the Spirit, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. To witness, just as Pastor Jessica led in our Bible study, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Everything and anything that we will do, any activity that we will do in this Christian work of faith, that has to be pleasing to God, has to come on the basis of empowerment. So the Holy Spirit is our strengthener. So apart from the disciples experiencing the Holy Spirit as a comforter in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, in Acts 1, 8, Jesus said something. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. So when Jesus was leaving this earth, One of the last words that he told them of the Holy Spirit is that he's a strengthener. He has come to empower you. He has come to endow you. We will be endowed in this Christian work of faith to be like Christ. We will be endowed in this Christian work of faith to be powerful, to be able to do what God has called us to do. Anything that we will want to do will come by reason of empowerment. The Holy Spirit is a strengthener. And the sixth thing, is that the Holy Spirit is our standby. And now, when you look at this word standby, look at it very closely. Because when you look at it closely, you will, you will 
you will you will shift from the traditional understanding of the word standby. Standby here is not talking about passivity. Because the Holy Spirit is not supposed to be a passive person in our life. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be an active force, an active being, an active person in our life. So when the Bible uses the word standby, excuse me, in the Amplified, it simply means that he comes to our aid in our moments of weakness. Excuse me. So what I just did, it's like the Holy Spirit coming to our aid. So whenever you have weakness, you see, I, I started to feel some itch in my throat. When I drank water, I now feel that cooling sensation now to continue talking. So now picture that in your mind. <clears throat> when we talk about the Holy Spirit as a standby, it simply means he is that active force that whenever we are weak and whenever we struggle to do something, he comes to our aid in that moment of weakness. So standby here doesn't mean passivity. Standby here simply means that the Holy Spirit will come to our aid in our moment of weakness. That's why he's called a standby. Because standby is not like the spare tire that you have in, in the trunk of your car. That is very passive. You might never ever need it until you have a flight tire. But you can't equate that with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is active and present in our lives. But whenever we have moments of weakness, the Holy Spirit is there to help us. He's, he's there to minister to us. He's there to refresh us. He's there to comfort us. He's there to empower us. He's there to strengthen us. That's why he is called a standby. Amen. And then the seventh name that we see is in John chapter 14 again. Verse 17, he is called the spirit of truth. <clears throat> Excuse me. Why is he called the spirit of truth? Let me jump ahead of myself and let me read John chapter 16. We will come there. <clears throat> Excuse me. So look forward to when we come to John chapter 16. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come. So this is the second time Jesus called the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. Where is all truth? All truth is in the Bible. All truth is the word of God. He doesn't speak on his own authority. So that is one of the ways to discern the voice of the Spirit or the impression of the Spirit. He doesn't speak on his own authority. Anything that the Holy Spirit will say is backed by the Word. Jesus said something, I am my Father, I am one. Why? Because what the Father says that is what Jesus is also saying. And what Jesus says, that's what the Father is saying, intertwined. 
Likewise, the Holy Spirit, who he will never do anything out of his own authority, but that which God the Father, God the Son have sanctioned. And whatever that is sanctioned is in the word of God. Amen. So when we come to John chapter 16, we will explain on that further. So today, knowing these names of the Holy Spirit helps us to appreciate the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the disciples' lives and presently also in our lives. All these ministries can also be very active in our lives. But it all depends on how receptive you are to the Holy Spirit. There are many people who cannot really experience the expression of the Holy Spirit because they haven't learned how to receive the Holy Spirit in his proper reverence. Amen. So if you, you have to receive him in his proper reverence before the Holy Spirit can express himself in all these diverse ways by which we've talked about. So in conclusion, we've learned that the Holy Spirit is a comforter, He's an advocate, he's an intercessor, he's a counselor, he's a strengthener, he's a standby. And in John chapter 14, verse 17, the Bible lets us know he is also called the spirit of truth. And verse 18 is very powerful. Look at the heart of the Father here in the Amplified again. The, the Lord sent the Holy Spirit so that we will not behave as orphans. Orphans who are comfortless, bereaved, and helpless. If you, if, if you call yourself a Christian and you feel comfortless, you feel bereaved, you feel helpless, the hardcore truth is you are not appreciating the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You have not taken time to know the Holy Spirit and you haven't received the ministry of the Holy Spirit because the day you come to that realization, you will no longer feel as an orphan, but you will feel as a privileged child of the King. Father, we thank you for your word. We give you praise. May we appreciate your ministry. Show yourself strong to us on, uh, on, on your behalf, O oh Lord. May we experience what the disciples experience. Thank you that we know you as a helper. You are our paraclete. We thank you that this week you will reveal yourself to us as a comforter. May we experience your advocacy. May we experience your intercessory role in our times of prayer when we feel weak, O oh Lord. May we experience your counsel, your wise, rich, deep, godly counsel, O oh Lord, that we will walk circumspect as wise people redeeming the time and not as fools. May we experience strength in our Lord. May we be empowered. And we thank you, O Lord, that you are always with us by the presence of your Holy Spirit who will be there to come to our aid in our moments of weakness. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is a standby in our life. And above all, we thank you that we will never walk in error but we'll always walk in the truth of God's word because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. We bless you, O Lord, for sending down the Holy Spirit, who is the perfect gift to the church. In Jesus' name, amen.